Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have Valentino Stoll. Hey there. Darren Bramer. Hello, everybody. John Epperson. Hey, everyone. Luke Stutters. Yes, Ruby time! I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Ulysses Buonomo. Did I get anywhere close on you name, dude? Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Let us know why you're awesome and where the memory leaks are. <laughs> well, hopefully nowhere, but I've been working uh, in a carpooling company for a few years now. Um, working in Adobe, obviously. I do like to see the memory uh, being ever-growing because I know I have to fix something and I have to get like my hands in deep, in deep uh, library and, and I, I don't know, I'm, I like having hard challenges to solve, so memory in Ruby is especially a hard challenge to solve in my opinion. Awesome. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. Yeah, you wrote this article on how to find memory leaks in yep. Ruby. Not that Ruby has any memory leaks, right? It's perfect. Yeah. It's, but, you know, in the off chance, how do you go about solving a problem like this? And I'm curious, just to get us rolling, you know, rather than just dive into the how, where have you seen this? Where have you seen this as an issue? Well, <laughs> I've seen that in production code. <laughs> you can see, I mean, just type Ruby malloc on Google and uh, you'll see lots of memory issues, not really leaks per se, lots of memory issues. Yeah, I mean, I've only seen it of code I've wrote. I said that in the article, I mean, most of the time, if there is a leak, it comes from you. You just have to to read you or your uh, your colleagues, but it's really from the Ruby guys or the Rails guys. It can be, but most of the time, just look at what you've done. I don't know. Not me. <laughs> I never write memory leaks. I mean, all you have to do is throw more money at the problem. So I don't really understand why why we care. Kind of kidding here. But I mean, to, to be <laughs> honest, right. and to be honest, yeah, I mean, shoot. Like, as I was reading this article preparing, I was thinking of like, I mean, I know that I've had memory leaks in the past, but the typical way of solving it has been, all right, well, it's time to reset the server. And then you just, you do that until you have to do it too often. And then you're like, oh, we're resetting the server like once every couple of hours. That's kind of extreme, obviously, but it's definitely worth it a place where they, they let it go that far. And, you know, then you then you start caring a lot more and then you waste like an entire two days tracking down your problem while all your customers are freaking out because they can't get to the site or something. But yeah, I, I definitely feel like we kind of habitually just let it go. I, I don't see people talking about it very often. And when I do see people talking about it, like the the way that I see it being discussed is like this is for the nerds sort of like it's it's definitely like a deep thing that somebody else will deal with and yeah anyway i've only been down this road like twice in my entire career yeah the, the question of when i feel is an excellent question uh, when should you care about memory leak when i fix when i wrote this article it was for something that like uh, leaks something like 100 uh, megabytes in minutes so it was quite important but yeah, you can just restart and you have like Puma Worker Killer that does it for you. So you don't, you don't even have to, to care about restarting the servers or anything. But yeah, at some point, you're just wasting, you're just wasting your computer's energy, your server's energy, and you have to, to, to fix that. Yeah. You just have to know when. 
Yeah. I mean, I think you start to, I think you start to care once it affects your garbage collection takes longer that can influence the perform, affect the performance of your overall server, your application. That's probably that, that would be one time when you would, when you would start to care, I think. Well, I mean, maybe because I don't think that's an issue we had too much because since we've been working on Heroku and you just are anything like that, you just have uh, lots of dinos, lots of dinos. So if one server is garbage collecting, uh, another one will just be running the code. So I, I mean, we've not, uh, when we, we didn't, I did not go through a lot of GC events to see if that was really a problem, but I don't think that was much of an issue. The, the most important issue was we were just restarting every minute. So yeah. Yeah. That's pretty extreme. I, I thought since we were kind of like here at the beginning, I, I thought it was kind of important to like make the distinction, which you did in your article as well, which is good. That's the difference between like the memory leak and if you're basically all of us that have ever done PDF, right, uh, know that you just need a crap ton of RAM. That's just what happens. Basically, you might literally just need, yeah, it's just the way it is. Your server takes up 32 gigs of RAM just because you do PDFs on your machine or something. It's not the same thing is what I was getting at. Isn't 64K all you should really ever need, though? Didn't, didn't someone once say that? Luckily, he's he's like retired now and he has a crap ton of money, so he doesn't have to care. He <laughs> doesn't have to deal with it. The... <laughs> to be fair to Bill Gates, I think it was 640K, but it turns out he was talking about uh, the number of Microsoft employees rather than bytes of RAM. Since we're in the process of making jokes, I think they stopped that <laughs> that process of, of firing everyone all the time. They've been trying to be good people. I mean, they fired Bill Gates. That's an immediate improvement. Okay, so memory leaks. <laughs> anyway. Hi, Bill. <laughs> so the thing you said about uh, having lots of memory, well, most of the time that's the issue. And that's why you just have to check before checking for leaks. You just have to check if you ever need, uh, if you ever have a leak. So if you just need more memory or you have a leak. So yeah, just put uh, uh, twice as much as uh, memory as you can ha- as you already have in your server, and just look at the, the shape of the graph. I'd say that's the way I did it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the questions that I had. So I'm familiar with Benchmark or whatever, like just the standard Ruby library. Uh, and you talked about derailed a whole bunch in your article. <laughs> it seems like. I just was kind of hoping you can maybe talk a little bit about the difference between what derailed is as a benchmark and, you know, what regular benchmarking is. Kind of seems like in a regular benchmarking, we're trying to figure out how long execution time is, whereas derailed kind of seems to be what, like mapping memory over time, or that's kind of what I was picking out of it. Okay, so I think there are two things here, which I I shall answer. (laughs) The first... uh, the differ- difference you're talking about, I think, is more the hippie stuff. So the, the way I compared, I compared, if I understand well the question, the way I compared, uh, the hips. So I used DRED. I used a function called hip diff in DRED. But the, in fact, DRED is like a tool, tool set. I, I think you say that. So you have lots of tools for uh, de- dedicated mostly to Rails application, but you, you can make it work with uh, lots of Rack-based application uh, without too much boilerplate code. So Gerald is the whole tool set you, you have to test lots of stuff in, uh, in your code base. And I don't really know half of it, but we can discuss as much as I know. And the hit diff part is the one, well, I implemented myself in Derail. So this one I can talk a lot more about. And, um, that comes back from an article of Sam Safun from like, uh, the article was called, well, that was slides, uh, called why Ruby 2.1 excites me. Great read. And he, he gives, well, in, in 2.1 Ruby, uh, that's the time where they introduced lots of uh, memory-related stuff. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> lots of memory-related stuff um, in Ruby, like the um, each object. Oh, I don't. I'm not sure if each object was in 2.1 or before. But anyway, uh, dunking uh, the whole heap. And the idea he introduced there was you can take a first heap dump at some point in time. 
then a second one, then a third one. And uh, when you have your three uh, hips, you can do like a diff between the two first one to, to see what was added in memory between the two. And then the diff between the third and the second one so that you can see what is retained in memory so that you you, sh you are not just at some point in time where you haven't GC'd yet, but you are you know that 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 is something you've tried to GC and just uh, it, it uh, didn't. Uh, Ruby could not uh, collect the memory. Mm -hmm. So to, when, to go back to the question, because I think I, I just deviated a little bit, the difference between derailed and benchmark is just not the same thing. Derailed is made for uh, the, 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 the complete application and benchmark is a thing you can like, you can have for smaller parts of applications. Like uh, I've just, just today used the benchmark IPS and stack prof, you know, the, the Ruby fashion, you, you just, the code you want to benchmark, you put it in the block and just analyze it. But you can use the hip diff method on something uh, you've been, for instance, using benchmark memory with. So it's uh, basically like the benchmark uh, Ruby basic, but it gives you uh, hip dumps and uh, tons of memory information. And you can use that to generate hips and then compare them. I guess it could make sense. You just have to make sure it's within a timeline that makes sense. You know, like there is A, B, and C in good order so that you can check what's written and added. Hopefully. Yeah, so it sounds like derailed is like a large collection of a bunch of different benchmarking yeah. tools. Yeah, and yeah, I thought I thought that part was pretty pretty interesting. So I don't know, may, maybe I'm a, a nerd by John's definition. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll geek out with you here, Ulysses. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So I like that approach. I just wanted to ask. So it makes sense, right? Like you're going to have this uh, test run multiple requests, and you're going to keep track of well, how many objects are always present, right? So they're just like always around. They're just global, I guess, or just persistent. You know, how many just live for the lifetime of one request? So that's great. That's probably what you want. And then there's others that span more than one request. So maybe they get lost and added to the memory that is just piling up. So when you're using those tools, when you do the the heap diff, I think you said, are, is that telling you just at the aggregate level, like how many objects you have in these different categories? And then you dig into like a profiling tool to figure out like where those actually are? Or does this tool set like also help you pinpoint where those memory leaks are, what objects are coming from? I'm just, this sounds like pretty interesting way to go about it. I mean, the tool is just Pure magic. <laughs> the, the time we used it, the, the, the first time we used it, we found the leak like it was just written. Well, no, you have to 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 look at um, the um, the stack trace that contains your application's name in it, and then you just look and it tells you in which file at which place the memory was allocated. And that's in that's an information that directly comes from uh, the the heap dump, in fact. So everything in, is in the heap dump. What uh, what a heap is the gem that does the diffs that's directly inspired from uh, some Saffron's uh, slides. And what what the gem does is just uh, taking all of this gibberish JSON in and make it like uh, clear English, telling you like you've retained a lot here. Just go and check out the code and see if it's not an issue. So yeah, no, you don't have to do much of the world. But I mean, yeah, sometimes, sometimes the leak is just, well, recently there was a leak in uh, Ethan. So Tifoius, maybe you have to check out your, your code bases. <laughs> and um, this one is trickier. And I, I think uh, people tried to fix it uh, before I, before me. So I didn't dig through, through the issue, but it was a leak, I believe. In C, in C code, well, it just gets a lot harder at that point. Uh, that sounds very cool. Yeah, it sounds like it's pointing you right toward where the issue is. I mean, is, is it something that you still just do ad hoc or is it, it sounds like it's pretty automated. Do you make it part of the build pipeline or how do you use it? That could be an idea. The issue I see with that is, well, the leak we found that led to the article 
was quite straightforward because it was uh, middleware based. So it just had to like uh, have uh, the status or info basic route and, and you hammer it and you can see the memory grow. But sometimes it may be in um, a request that's uh, in some uh, heavier process, like a post request that only can happen if you have some conditions. So I feel like if you want to test for leaks in the whole in the whole uh, system, you you just you would need to do it in production. And in fact, I've done it a bit, but then you slow you you, you slow down servers. And um, and you have to pinpoint one specific server because if I'm checking for my diff uh, on uh, one dino, one dino, and then on, on another one, it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So in the build process, I'm not sure it's possible. It, it can be done in production, but you are or in staging environment, or if you have like a, a huge company with canary uh, canary servers, maybe you can try that. But I would not. Well, I would I would recommend to to take care about performance when you you do you doing that. Yeah. So maybe the better pattern is to just monitor your memory graphs if you see yeah. you know memory spiking up and staying up or going just on an ever increasing path. Then maybe you do this. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a test coverage issue here also, right? Like you were saying, like if I'm going to do that type of that type of test or examination, you need to choose what is my request A, B, and C. What are my subsequent requests? Because some combinations may cause an issue. And uh, as John said uh, early, oh, uh, really early uh, in the podcast, but I think that's quite important. Just you don't have and you don't need to focus too much on memory leaks. Or you, I mean, you'll you'll start you will start to build some like really complicated CI and really complicated production tools that help you detect the leaks early. But well, that will be useful for the Ruby world, uh, but but maybe not for your company. And uh, maybe they will they would like you to work on some more important stuff. Uh, um, and oh, that makes me think. If there is one thing I really wanted to mention uh, in the um, in the podcast is um, that's the bundler leak and the Ruby mem database. Um, I can go and check things uh, just uh, after explaining what it is. Uh, bundler leak is just a tool you type bundler leak and it shows you the me- the known memory leaks. And the database behind is the Ruby mem database. And I wanted to mention that because I think um, it deserves more love. Uh, I think there are lots of leaks that are found by um, individuals that do not know the existence of this database and do not uh, help fill it. And there is a quite simple form. You just have to to say uh, the this gem in my application leak uh, at at uh, this version, and that's it. And that will help tons of developers not having to to find the leaks. I can just is this what the bundle leak gem uses? Yep. I'm I'm no snitch. <laughs> When did you this is there's two things in this article, uh, Ulysses, that I was I was I, I'm going to admit I did not know about or I've forgotten about. First is the what was it called bundler the bundler leak. Yeah, that that's the first compelling reason I've ever seen for using bundler. They <laughs> may. Just, it's literally the first time I've seen something to do with Bundler where I thought, yes, that could help me. So that's 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 amazing. The dependency uh, hell is so compelling, but memory leaks maybe. I have a I have a server per app. I'm just I could order server. I yeah. I got to tell you, I come into the podcast every week just mainly because I want to know what is Luke going to say this week. And so there <laughs> I, there we I, got our there we got our first list. Wait, does do, does anybody have another reason for coming on? <laughs> <laughs> Bundle Leak is an amazing resource, and I had no no idea that was there. So thank you very much. The other one, which is perhaps a slightly more serious mission, is Gem Alloc. Yeah. I had no idea about Gem Alloc. I mean, am I being am I being 
embarrassing here? Or what is Gemalloc? I don't have a uh, huge knowledge about the, the Malloc team, the Gemalloc team, but I can talk about what, it, what Gemalloc has done to Ruby and why it is important to know about it. It is important to know about it because you can just do like div4 on the memory you're using just by setting uh, Gemalloc and it will not break anything really there, there there is already a discussion well it has been ongoing for years so i don't think it will be uh, in ruby uh, in time soon but there is a discussion about adding it uh tender love um Patterson is talking about it like all the time mike perham as well and it's just just a, a better malloc and free algorithm and then the Simalog that's used in Ruby. And the nice thing about uh, Ruby is that you can have it, how do you say it in C, dynamically, dynamically shared with library. So you can just, just add jmalog.so or jmalog. I don't know what, um, in your, in an environment variable. And then you just have shipped with Ruby. You just, you don't have to do anything else. And you will give for the memory you're using, basically. Um, is this is this why everyone tells me to stop using System Ruby? Maybe. <laughs> um, but so, if, you, if you still like Malloc, I don't remember because I've not been using it for a lot of time now. But oh yeah, that's Malloc Arena Max. You can just set Malloc Arena Max to two. If I get the issue right, but please correct me if I don't. Um, Malloc Arena Max is something that tells Malloc to like stay in little dots. And since uh, in Ruby you don't need too much uh, from Malloc, uh, if you don't say that, it will just grow and uh, let let a lot of object live and will harm your your memory performance. If that makes sense. So. I think that's really helpful. I, I I genuinely think a lot of people don't know about this stuff. I certainly didn't. And uh, yeah, it could be saving a lot of memory. Yeah, I intend to soon write an article on, on just the little tools like that in Ruby that's just no-brainer. Like, you have to use that because, I mean, uh, GitHub is working with Gemalloc. Uh, I don't have the list of companies, but I think Shopify is, since Tendalog is working at Shopify. It makes sense. And um I mean, lots of huge companies made the move to go from Malloc to JMalloc, and no one is complaining. So, yeah. Yeah, we use it at Doximity. It's it's really great. It definitely reduces a lot of long-term fragmentation. And the nice thing, too, is there's a Docker bundle for it so that you can just, instead of from, you know, Ruby latest, you could take from uh, Ruby... Jesse or something like that for Jamalik that has it already bundled and ready to go. It's pretty nice. Yeah, are you getting are you getting four X uh, memory reduction usage? I don't know. Like it's been I have I have a Docker container that I made a long time ago that has it installed, so I haven't even thought about this in a really long time or like tested it. I I wasn't on the team that that went and released it. That I could find out, but I, I know it was it was successful. So <laughs> I don't know if it was. 4X. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> What he means is, of course, of course, <laughs> of course, of course, we did. And this is separate to garbage collection, right? Uh, to Ruby's garbage collection, yeah. Well, Ruby's garbage collector uh, calls Malloc and Free. Uh, I mean, I don't know tons about Ruby's internal, but hopefully it does. So that's not completely separate. But uh, I mean, I really. It's, I'm going on a dangerous uh, terrain here, <laughs> but there is a great talk I could link there, uh, going deeper about that and telling uh, the separation between uh, Ruby's memory scope and uh, Malloc memory scope and uh, the importance it has uh, mostly for um, like a library C extension library developers. Well, Malloc and Free in C are just, I need this chunk of memory and then free up this chunk of memory. So the rest of it is probably just reference counting internal to Ruby. I haven't looked at how the garbage collection works, but I'm assuming that Ruby just has an internal 
counter that says so many things are pointed to this, and when nothing's pointed to it, the next time the garbage collection runs, it scrubs it out, to, to freeze it, right? And so you get a memory leak when something's holding on to a reference to something, and the reality is, is nothing's ever going to use it again. But that reference is floating out there for whatever reason, because it's within scope of something that's not getting cleaned up. And so what you're looking at then is you're looking at, okay, I've got a memory leak that I've got to take care of. In other words, I've got to make sure that this scope is getting cleaned up so that anything that it's pointed to also gets cleaned up. And so you're, you're effectively playing games with what scopes do I hold on to and which scope don't I hold on to or what, clo- what closure do I hold on to, what closure don't I hold on to. And yeah, if you're thinking JavaScript and, oh, gross, Ruby has closures too. And it's, you know, it's just part of life. And so, yeah, you start thinking stacks and closures and all that stuff. And there are techniques that you can use to clean that up. And that's what you're playing with here. And then, yeah, Ulysses is talking about dinos on Heroku, and you get charged for the number of dinos you're using and how long they're on. And so if you want to cut costs, you cut down on the amount of memory you use so you don't have to run as many dinos as often, right? And so now you're talking real money. And that, I mean, that's what this boils down to. This is what your boss cares about. And and at the end of the day, that's that. I mean, that's the game we're playing. Same with John's talking about Docker the number of Docker containers you're running in Kubernetes or on AWS or whatever image you're running up wherever you're running it, it's the same deal, right? It's how much computer we're using and what's it costing us. Yeah. Or, I, I think or what most, is our orchestration layer? Um, most people complexity. are... Yeah, most people are just trying to get things working, right? But eventually yeah. you get to the point where you're like, okay, the thing's working, but now I want to save money for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is totally where you should care. Um, yeah. I mean, you can care about it, earlier than that but generally when you do your you're prematurely optimizing right like the sort of the argument yeah um, the other place this shows up though is if you're running it on metal right so you have a server in a data center somewhere and it's starting to slow down or starting to cl- crash because it's running out of memory that's the other place where this shows up right because now you're hitting a physical yep. limit or a vm too same thing if you have to yeah. care for the thing and keep it alive versus pretend that it's a throwaway yeah and you know there's some good kind of baselines. Nate Burkus pictured a while ago on uh, kind of some Ruby object count rules or allocation counts. So if you ever look at the Rails logs, you'll see they even provide it now. Every request will show you how many allocations happen for that request, which is nice. But uh, I'll post a link to, in the uh, show notes about it. But basically, like at 100,000 allocations and more, focusing on those specific allocations you know that's kind of like the that's where it starts to become problematic and like if you can reduce object allocation after for requests or whatever processes that are allocating more than that number it's kind of like a good baseline to okay well we should probably look at this and we could see some significant you know speed ups if we focus on memory allocations at i think it was a hundred thousand or something like that this is why I feel sorry for newer developers, and it's not just because of JavaScript. Uh, people people doing modern Rails development will never experience that thrill of watching the production server RAM graph rise, really, <laughs> realizing you haven't got any more servers. This is it. You've got to desperately bring that curve down as it's creeping towards the 32 gig mark. Those, those were the days. Yeah, well, what's interesting, too, is that when we're talking about allocations, I mean, we, we just don't think in those terms when we're writing our code, right? As you know, so you're thinking Rails, so you, you have your active record object, and then, you know, you've got your connection object in active record, you've got, I mean, there, there's all this stuff that happens underneath your controller is a class that instantiates an object and there's you know there's rails metal that's under the covers and rack under the covers and all of those instantiate objects as well and so it all see so each of those instantiate a certain number of things and so all of those get allocated onto this onto the heat and so yeah i mean i I've been programming Ruby and Rails for 16 years, and I have, I don't have a good concept of what gets allocated down the stack and up the stack onto the heap when a request comes in. I just, I don't. And it's because I'm not thinking in those terms when I'm writing my code. Well, I, that's I, kind I, of I, the point. Yeah, I go back and that's unwind the point it when of I the have alert to it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the point in the allure of Rails is that you don't have, and Ruby, you don't have to think about right. those things, right? You can focus on your app. It does sometimes become a bit of a leaky abstraction when mm-hmm. it does cause an issue and you do have to dive into that. Right. Hopefully that's rare. But yeah, in, in general, right, the, the positives tend to outweigh the negatives. That also seems yeah. to bring, that brings up a good point about benchmarks in general. And it, it just reminds me of, as an example, the fast Ruby benchmarks, if you're familiar with them, by Juanito Fatas. Uh, but basically, you can find comparables for, okay, like re- iterating through an array this way versus this way is going to be faster just based on throughput performance. So if you're just benchmarking iterations per second, this one will be faster. But if one allocates more memory than the other and you're doing it repetitively in your app, over time, that may drop off, right? And and Ulysses, I really like that you wrote uh, about the derailed benchmarks because that kind of focuses more on that over time portion of benchmarks, which I think get dropped a lot. So, I mean, you can go and benchmark iterations per second, but if you're not thinking about these other things, which is easy to do uh, and kind of take Ruby for granted, is over time, you may start to see your app degrade and wonder why. (laughs) And I personally would love to dive more into derailed. Do you have it? I saw that they have like a a SHA option where you can provide multiple uh, commit SHAs. Do you use that at all to compare changes in your code over time and see if any performance degrades? I'd be really happy to use that sometime. Uh, but it's, it is mostly made for library developers and mostly made for Rails developers, in fact. Well, I mean, uh, developers of Rails. You got the point. Um, but yeah, the, you you just can give yeah, yeah as you say two two commits and it it, it will tell you which one performs better. But not only uh, build time, not only short uh, short term performance, but long term memory and time performance to make sure you don't forget anything. And it was built by um, Richard Chinman basically just uh, for developing rails and uh, making sure uh, you don't regress at some points. Uh, on some specific parts. Um, I think there was another, like, uh, mem- performance mem over time. Oh, yeah, that's the perf mem over time. I've been using it a lot because it quite well shows you this idea. It shows you the graph you want to see before going to production, you know. <laughs> if you have an issue, you want to see it. So, yeah, I don't know much more about the the stuff uh, in Dural. Unfortunately, since now I, I can contribute, I'm a contributor. And <laughs> since since I've been, I've stopped contributing to Dural. So, well. It's the best way to get to know stuff is by sending them code. Yeah. Or the, um, I get all my code on Amazon Prime. Comes in two days. What it's called? I don't know if you know about Bundle Open, another great bundler tool. We were talking about Bundler Leak. This one is shipped with Bundler. And uh, so you just can type Bundle Open some library and it will uh, open uh, with your favorite editor the, the path of this library so you can hack it right away. And uh, <laughs> that's a nice way to, to, to start hacking at libraries you're using in your code base and know a bit more about them and about their internals and understand why uh, you have such performance issue in the first place. So I could I could uh, the, to, talk uh, the, about the leak we had internally. And in fact, it was just a misunderstanding of uh, documentation <laughs> of we are using Bugsnag. And um, the documentation is giving a way to add a middleware so that when you are raising issue, you can add context or add data. And uh, we we thought basically we had to add this middleware every request, but it was made to be at initialize, and that's it. That's the the leak that made me write the article. Just just read the readme and <laughs> you won't have leaks <laughs> in the end. The value of documentation. So you just moved it into a Rails initializer. Is that what the deal was? Yeah, there is a there is a scope issue because the idea was to add uh, user information 
in uh, in the Bugsnag so that we can uh, directly help the user uh, relating to to the web. And you cannot do that simply in the initializer. You have to have some way of uh, having uh, them communicate. And well, <laughs> the way we had we used uh, was finding on Google that there was already a middleware doing so and uh, using it. Uh, yeah, but basically you can just uh, hook uh, into a rack middleware at initialize and uh, and get information from there. Gotcha. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software, and what makes it so unique is that it not only tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it, right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit Raygun.com to resolve issues faster and deliver flawless digital experiences for your users. That's Raygun.com to get started on your free 14-day trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. So which one of these approaches exposed it for you? Sorry, between which and which? Which approach to tracking down the leak exposed it to you? Was it the JE Malik or was it the derailed or was it one of the other tools? Or I'm not sure. I fully understand the what did you say? The, what which exposed which 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 tool showed you what the problem was? Oh, uh, it was the the derailed and the hit diff. It was derailed uh, showed the memory was ever growing, so there was an issue. And we we made a first. Uh, I think there is a derailed heap, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I ran that. I ran that, and I saw lots of things, and it wasn't clear. And then I implemented the derailed heap diff to to make uh, all the noise go away. And using that, we saw the leak. Yeah, and we we pointed at the code, and then I could get blame and uh, <laughs> get blame. Yeah. That's a good way to start a fight. I mean, um, find out what who caused the problem. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Would you Would you like to hear Ulysses? Would you like to hear a memory leak garbage collection story? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is. I'm going to take you right away back to Ruby 1.8, and we had just a Ruby app, not a Rails app, that was running on a computer in various locations, and this used the known graphics library bindings through C, presumably using a known make a window on the screen, make a button gem. And this program was a long-running program, and part of it had an enormous memory leak because it was drawing sprites to a screen. Remember sprites before we had image tags? Well, this one, this used sprites, and it had an enormous memory leak. And because the memory leak was somewhere in the Ruby atmosphere, then we couldn't track it down. So what we did was we used to do gc.enable and then gc.start. And this brought the memory down until the sprite moved, at which pace the memory would shoot back up. <laughs> so we had gc.enable and gc.start running on each kind of update cycle of the page as the user would drag the sprite across the screen. And at one point, it was so bad, I think we either had a kind of gc.start exclamation mark, but I don't think there was a gc.start exclamation mark to kind of make it start garbage collecting harder. So it was actually a kind of the exclamation mark after gc.start was actually a kind of hashtag comment out the exclamation mark. But that was the kind of comment of it, kind of, we really need to start the garbage collector. And then I think Ruby 1.9 came in, and this all this all quietened down. But that was our survival, just to keep this thing running in for our customers. But that was a kind of um, calling out to C, and you know, the C thing does something bad. I'm not blaming the developers here. I'm sure it was us. But 
when you're in that situation, then sometimes you have no control over sea land. You know, the sea, you need to use the sea library and sea's done something bad. You're back in the movie, all your RAM's gone. What do you do? Is that, uh, is that something you've dealt with? Because I know you deal with, was it the, the, the geo library? Yeah, I think, I think that has sea bindings in it. So have, have you had to fight the memory demon with Ruby and sea? Yeah, one of the, the first uh, commits I've made to Radio was fixing the leak. And um, fortunately, we were not using uh, the tool, but um, it was like uh, there, was, there is one tool uh, called Invalid Reason that just tell you why is your, your so Radio is for geometries and uh, why your, your shape is invalid. And um, and it was just not, um, well, it's not garbage collecting, uh, because, uh, it was in C and it was our work to collect the garbage. <laughs> and, uh, we were just not doing it. So anytime one were, were to call invalid reason, it would, uh, it would generate a new C, a new string in C by the geos library. And we were never, um, getting rid of it. And yeah, the, the, the demon, the, the demon you're talking about is, uh, is quite important because when you're, you're going in a, when you're using a C extension, you really have to trust the authors. <laughs> so yeah, please trust me and <laughs> use Agio, but you really have to trust the authors because the, the way Ruby does it is like you, you wrap your, 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 your C structure in a, they call it type data struct so that uh, you can hook to Ruby's GC. And uh, when uh, Ruby is uh, getting rid of an object, it calls uh, your, your free uh, function that you've been, that you've wrote, but from the perspective of the Ruby user of your, of your C extension, you just cannot know simply what is going on. And well, the worst thing is when you're getting the, the good old, uh, I'm losing my words. Um, you know, the thing you don't want to see, <laughs> not an exception, even worse, uh, the core dump. And all of we that. We saw a lot of those. We used to see a lot of core dumps unless we, unless we call gc.start a lot. Well, <laughs> if you mean Segfault, sir. Are we talking Segfaults here? Yes, it's unlucky. Yes. It's unlucky to even say Segfault out loud. That's one mm-hmm. of the. If you're a superstitious developer, it's like being an actor. They never say the word Macbeth. If you say the word Segfault, then the Segfault fairy will come and visit your production <laughs> service. So don't if you say it three, if you say its name three times, it appears. <laughs> you say it three times into a SSH prompt. <laughs> That could be that could be our Halloween episode. Hey, there we go. On St. Paul's. There is a good way to generate uh, to generate one if you want uh, with a Ruby at point. I think it started in two point six. They introduced uh, GC Compact, and so it's nice. Uh, well, the the link uh, YouTube I shared uh, is the way they introduced that, and. Um, so they introduced a compaction algorithm that just helps uh, avoid um, uh, having Ruby uh, expand and use a lot of memory. And uh, if you GC that compact, uh, lots of uh, library uh, would crash. <laughs> lots of uh, C extension libraries would crash. No, most are fixed, but uh, at the beginning, lots would crash because it would mix with references and then, uh, well, if you're if you're using references badly in C, you know you know what happens. <laughs> so so yeah, GC dot compact. You can try it in production, <laughs> and you'll see. Uh, <laughs> well, nice things happen because it will you will get a more compact tape and hopefully less uh, memory usage. But you may see <laughs> some issues. The only thing scarier on a server monitoring graph. Than high RAM is zero percent CPU. Zero percent CPU usage. How can you really <laughs> have that? <laughs> like uh, when you are you are swapping too much, and then I mean I've never encountered the zero percent CPU. 
Well, it means means the app's crashed, so you're not running oh. it anymore. So suddenly your server's oh, okay. running brilliantly. If if there's no load on the production server, something's gone yeah. terribly wrong. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, mm. yeah. So AirGeo that was that was uh, one of the important challenges. Well, uh, the the C ex- the, the the C extension library, the well the C library bindings more. There was this leak, but there may be others and. We are currently in the process of reshaping the C part, and I'm trying to follow as much as I can this pattern uh, to not write C code. <laughs> the, the best way to to write good C code <laughs> when you're doing a Ruby extension is just to not write C code. So we we are going to try to like uh, limit the C extension. It's important to still have it because it's like in terms of performances, it's uh, enormous what you can get. And when you're working with geometries, it's really important to have that. That's why my company invested in uh, me uh, working open source and uh, on RGO. It's because like it's just way faster than working in plain Ruby. But uh, it comes with a cost of, of shadow C, uh, C code you don't want to mess with in your uh, everyday Ruby, uh, Ruby developer work. And yeah, so, but hopefully the Agile 3.0 will soon be, be here and will fix a lot of stuff. We are in the process of fixing a lot of stuff and hopefully it will be fast and secure. Well, while we've got you on here, are you looking for help with that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, we are still. I, I so I've been a ma- maintainer for like ten months now. I'm working with uh, Keith in America, but we are still looking for more maintainers, mostly because uh, the AirGeo code base is huge. There, there is uh, the AirGeo core code base on which we are both working, and we and we are trying to like having uh, one code base, one maintainer. If, if possible, we have not achieved that uh, right away. So there is the Agio shape file, Agio GeoJSON, Agio, and there are tons of um, tons, tons of um, sorry of uh, tools you can add to Agio. It's a really complete tool, so it needs a lot of uh, maintainers and contributors. I think it's worth it uh, for the Ruby community to have such a tool. And it's the only, um, there is GeoKit as well, but uh, it's the only one that, um, that has this kind of performances and this kind of, um, of finesse, uh, you can have, uh, on geometry computation. So yeah, it's quite important <laughs> to have people involved in the Ruby community, I think, uh, so that we can continue to have this project going on for some time. So if people want to get involved, how do they do it? There is an issue. I'll just link it. Okay. Uh, there is a um, yeah, new maintainer needed issue. That's why easy to see, in fact. <laughs> it's a uh, pin, but let's go. And so that's if that is if you want to become a maintainer. But if you just want to contribute, we've uh, we've started added uh, help wanted and uh, good first issue uh, tags on our GitHub repositories. So just look at the issues and look at the good first issue, help wanted. And uh, if you um, if you like the C code and um, and if you want to get involved right away in the next two or three months, I think we'll be working on the um, the the C refactoring, the C API refactoring. So just post a message, for instance, on that issue. Or anyone uh, having CAPI in the name, they will see it. And I think the, if someone wants to get uh, down to coding C uh, extension for Ruby, I'll be I'd be glad to 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 give them pointers on uh, on how to do it, and uh, if they can contribute back, it would be so nice. Awesome. That makes me think. Think of one thing I did not mention uh, in, in the article, nor nor in the podcast yet. But we've, we've talked a lot about Ruby internals. I'd suggest if you want to know more about uh, Ruby internals to read the Ruby hacking guide. It, 
it's a Ruby 2.1, so it's a bit old, but it just gives you the overall uh, information about uh, Ruby, and it's quite nice. And uh, if you um, if you don't like the how the 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 code blocks are written, uh, so did I. So you can just uh, go to my GitHub and I've forked the project, and you can read it uh, with a better better code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, proper syntax, brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I mean, doesn't everybody do that? Like when, okay, so I work with a designer. I've worked with designers on multiple projects, and sometimes they give you HTML, and you're just like, "This is formatted terribly," and you just take it straight to the HTML formatter, or or JSON, or or anything. You're just like, "I don't like how this looks," so you just take it to the formatter. <laughs> yeah. I, I fully I support your decision. If I don't like how something auto looks, format things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then just any repo you make. Oh yeah, well that sounds like an awesome feature. Yeah, just just have like built in like RuboCop and prettier <laughs> settings, and you just like you just you're in a repo. It's, and it's, it's kind of like, funny because uh, like I want it to look like this setting. There's the famous uh, Ruby committer Nobu, and he's known for having like the most commits of any committer, and it's because he has like a bunch of post commit uh formatting that he and like scripts that he runs on any commit to ruby <laughs> and then we'll like you know recommit as himself just the formatting fixes <laughs> and so there was a, a ruby guy a long time ago where it showed like oh the top you know contributors to ruby and it's like always nobu like eclipsing everybody <laughs> and he's like oh but i cheated so it do- doesn't really count <laughs> I will admit to the fact that like I I have especially in recent years like just I just keep forgetting to run RuboCop or whatever I'm using at the time right and I have done that a lot though I'm usually amending my commits but before I push but yeah I I am also guilty of the post commit fixing it to look acceptable if you look on the uh, OJ contributors in the the commit uh, in the not in the commit fashion but in the code fashion, you will see me uh, adding ten thousand and removing ten thousand lines of code, and I, I just went uh, and and it was like spaces and tabs mixed, and I and I I was like okay, I've introduced a formatting tool that was that tried to change uh, the least possible. <laughs> but yeah, ten thousand lines of diff, and um, well, OG's uh, OG's maintainer and author is just so nice, and he integrated it and uh, and made it look even nicer. And now the code base is you know, it's like fresh and new. <laughs> so yeah, big up uh, Peter Oler, nice, N- nice, nice guy to code with. If you want to be involved in C code, you can also. Uh, uh, to Pierre, to Jay, uh, uh, he will accept those. Uh, like, give good hints to you. Um, I could tag Jay as well, but I think everyone uh, knows about it. Do we? Do we already put it in chat? Yeah, I guess we we have links yeah. to it in chat, so I think we're good. Yeah, okay. All right, I think we need to get a pick soon. So, all right. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and do picks before we do that. Uh, Ulysses, how do people find you online if they want to talk to you? Twitter, GitHub, stuff like that. Oh, uh, Buonomo, as you, as you pronounced it uh, formidably at the beginning of the, the show on, on GitHub. I have to admit, I'm not really active on Twitter, but it's Ulysses, and there you get me on Reddit. But I've been re- re- I've been writing a blog since uh, three or five, three or four months now. So. If you want uh, to read a little bit uh, about what I'm encountering, it's not not only Ruby. In fact, uh, I think I have not yet wrote any article about Ruby. So, <laughs> but uh, the next one will be about Ruby, I promise. So yeah, you can find me here. And uh, if you want to know more about the company, of course we are we are looking for developers. So if you want to know more about the company, you can like go to github.com.catit and uh, on it. That's where you can see me in these days. All right, cool. We'll put all that in the show notes. Hey, folks, it's Charles Maxwood, and I just wanted to jump in here and let you know about something that I'm doing. It's free. It's out there just to help you get answers to your questions about the things that you're running into with your career. So if you have questions about how to get further ahead in your career, 
how to start a podcast, how to get a better job, how to get a raise, how to deal with a situation at work with your boss, or just maybe you're stuck and you don't know where to go next. You know, how do I get from junior to senior, senior to whatever's next? How do I become a speaker? How do I get to the next level? That's what I'm out here to do. So every Wednesday at 12 o'clock Mountain Time, I'm going to be doing a call and it's going to be free, totally free. Go to devchat.tv slash level up and you can register for the call. It's using Zoom's webinar software. So it's pretty straightforward. And what we're going to be doing is I'll do 10 minutes and I'll just show you how I do some form of how I level up. And then we'll just answer questions. And it's not going to be a question and answer like, hey, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? And then I say, Rocky Road or whatever, right? Instead, what we're looking for is more along the lines of, yeah, I have the situation. How do I handle it? I'm trying to figure this thing out. How do I figure it out? I'm trying to stay current. How do I stay current? And if you have any of those kinds of questions, I'll bring you on the call. We'll ask some deeper questions. We'll make sure we get you a solid answer. And I'm really looking forward to helping some people out. There will be no sales, no selling, no nothing on these calls. It is literally just 10 minutes of training and then Q&A. So you can go check it out at devchat.tv slash level up. Let's do some picks. Well, let's start with Valentino. I'm just going to go in order sure. as I see so, uh, Valentino. First pick I have is uh, a new uh, gem by, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Amatsuda. He has this gem called the Lazy Rails Routes and basically just lets you wait to draw all of the Rails Routes tables until you need them. And so it just, it can significantly increase the amount, the execution time, or not increase, but drop the execution time. Say if you're in a, a rake task or something that only does a handful of things and you don't need all of the Rails Routes uh, drawn and you have thousands of routes, it can definitely significantly improve performance. So I, I recommend checking that out. It's pretty awesome. An, another recommendation I have is there is now an Nginx playground, thanks to Julia Evans, uh, where you can just enter in your Nginx config and it will show you what that configuration does. It's really neat. I, I recommend checking it out. And, and another one I have is I just came across this chat monitor tool for Minecraft. Uh, it's a Minecraft plugin, and you can basically use it like a Slack chat API and monitor for specific things that are said in the chat and do various things. So it's, it's definitely really cool. It's from uh, Oriel Schottlinder, who's one of the system architects for Wikipedia. So def definitely check that out. Nice. Darren, do you have some picks? I do. I'm going to go with the entertainment category first and pick, and maybe I'm late to the party. I don't know. But the Squid Game on Netflix is uh, an extremely entertaining show. It is a Korean show. It has reminiscent of the theme of the Hunger Games, but does have, I will say, mildly disturbing violence in it. So if that bothers you, just be forewarned. But uh, very good. A lot of people are talking about it. I believe actually Netflix has said it could end up being their biggest show. So uh, that's something to look for. In the technology space, I've actually been doing more documentation and content production lately. So I've probably used RDoc more than I've used anything in the last week, but I'm also putting together a new site about Ruby and Ruby apps in particular. So hopefully soon I'll be able to announce the launch of that. But I was looking at different content management solutions. And there's a couple in the rail space. Refinery is probably the biggest one in terms of community and support. I actually started using another one called Camaleon. And what attracted me to that at the beginning was I could just drop it in right uh, alongside my existing Rails application. So in addition to anything I've got going on, any capabilities or services there, now all of a sudden I've got a content management capability built into it. So uh, pretty nice. There's some nice themes for it as well. So those are my picks for this week. Nice. John, what are your picks? So I have... I have two. I'm actually, I dude, Calendly has been saving my life this week, so I have to like give them another another bump, but I can't give them any more because I I'm have to get a sponsorship deal if I do. But <laughs> but they literally, eh, whatever, man. They they're just really awesome for scheduling stuff. If you like have that problem, 
And I just, man, I just have to give kudos. So, uh, but as far as fun thing, it was funny that you were mentioning a Minecraft plugin, Valentino, because I have one too. So I have some people that uh, in my in my Twitch community that are like, they're on Bedrock. And then I have some people that are like Java people for Minecraft. And if you are not aware, uh, technically they are not compatible. However, there's a super amazing plugin out there called Geyser that allows both Java and Bedrock people to connect to the same server. And it's pretty awesome because now I just don't even have to like tell people to like, oh, sorry, we're all just going to be Java or sorry, we're all just going to be Bedrock. I got to have my cake and eat it too. And I love things that, that are like that. So anyway, that was that's my recommendation. That's my fun recommendation for this week. Nice. Luke, what are your picks? I've got to pick it. I'm sorry, Ulysses, but I have to pick the classic French cartoon Ulysses 31. This was translated into English, and they've uploaded the English intro onto YouTube. It had an intro theme so good, they got sued for it. True story. But uh, traveling a lot this week, uh, and I've been listening to Pitch Perfect. I expect, Chuck, you've already heard this, but this is a, this is a really good, highly recommended kind of selling things to people audio book. That's a really great book. It's read by the author. Can't recommend it enough. And finally, not very high-tech pick but a pick that saved my life this week after i had to resurrect an ancient project very quickly and couldn't get the server online is the encrypted cookie gem for sinatra and the reason i'm picking that is because it turns out if you want to kind of run sinatra without passenger in the way cookies stop working when you're using proxy pass and apache so this absolutely saved my life uh, the encrypted cookie gem will solve all your passengerless problems Awesome. I'm going to throw in some picks. Uh, a lot of them are just kind of fun. One of the things, real quick, uh, just kind of utilitarian with the podcast. So I've been working on forwarding all of the shows over to Top End Devs and over to Fireside.fm. One issue I ran into, which is kind of fun in Fireside, is that RubyRogues.com and AdventuresInML.com, both of them, for some reason, have issues with their SSL certificates right now. So... I just like um, to stop you there, Chuck. And uh, as you know, I've been pioneering the use of classic code instead of legacy code. So, can we please stop saying expired SSL certificates and start saying retired certificates? Oh, they're not expired. They're just not. Yeah, anyway. So, they're just not working. I don't know why. So, anyway, I'm going to throw out a couple of board games. But I wanted to throw out, I put in a gist the script that I'm using to redirect all of the podcast episodes from in nginx it actually generates from one rss feed the original rss feed to the new rss feed in fireside it generates the config in nginx so that it'll redirect you to the proper place because the slugs don't line up so anyway uh, that was actually kind of fun to write took me about a half hour and uh yeah so then i copy and paste it over to the server and yeah i've got this heck of long config now because it's got. Are you, are you trying to tell us you meta programmed your Nginx configuration? No, I programmed something that generates Nginx and then I copy pasted <laughs> it. So not not meta programmed at all. So it's hard coded. Anyway, so I just finished Caliban's War, which is the second Expanse book. I've been rereading them because the last book is coming out in November, and I've really enjoyed this book. So I'm going to pick that. And then a friend of mine who's my neighbor, he owns a game shop, him and his wife, and they have a business partner who I don't know. They own a game shop and they are working on running like this. People can come and sit down and play board games at the conference and they have like six games that they can pick from. And I'm one of the hosts that will sit down and help them play the game when people come through for like four hours. And then I get a free ticket to the conference for two days. And... You know, and so you get to go play board games with other people. And anyway, so I've been learning these games and a couple of them are really, really fun. So I'm going to pick them. Uh, The first one is called Lost Ruins of Arnak. And I am really, really digging it. We played it last night. Again, just the three, uh, three guys. So there it's the three couples and him and his wife, another uh, friend of ours and his wife and then me and my wife. And then he's got a couple of other volunteers, but we just keep getting together and playing through these games. And uh, anyway, it's been super fun. 
So we've played that one like three or four times. And then the other one that we've been playing is Steampunk Rally Fusion. And I'll just kind of walk you through what these games are. So the Lost Ruins of Arnak, is, it's got a little bit of deck building, a little bit of research tree, and a little bit of exploration. It's kind of a weird hybrid, but it's it's a fun, fun game. Steampunk Rally is more you're building so you're an inventor and you're building this basically a racing machine and you roll dice and the dice enable different parts of the machine to move you further along the track and whoever gets furthest along the track wins and so each piece of the machine does different part things that and so you they one piece may enable something on another piece of the machine that may enable another piece on the machine right to get you along and anyway it's it's super fun so those are kind of the ones that I've been playing that I've really been enjoying. So I'm going to pick that as well. But yeah, just really, really getting into that and enjoying some board games. I, I really love boy, board games. So I'm going to pick those. And uh, yeah. And then if you're looking for a way to level up your career, whether you're just trying to get established as a junior developer, whether you're trying to kind of expand to become a senior developer, your senior developer trying to figure out what's next, I am happy to help you figure things out. Go to topendevs.com slash coaching and you just give me your email address and your name and just a little bit more information so that I kind of know where you're at and how to help you out. And we'll set up a time. Uh, usually what I do is I do like an hour to an hour and a half's worth of just free coaching just to kind of so you can figure out how I operate and I can figure out whether or not I can help you and we can kind of help you figure out where you're headed. And then if if we think it's a better long term fit, that's when we kind of propose more of a coaching package. People are asking, so, you know, I feel bad not paying you. But the point is, is I want you to know that the value's there. And I want to know that I can actually help you <laughs> before I actually say, hey, give me money. So that's what that looks like. So go to topendevs.com slash coaching for that. Ulysses, what are, you, what are your picks? Well, I had not prepared anything, but uh, <laughs> since, uh, well, I'm French, I, I wanted to introduce to who does not know yet, Marcel, which is the next talker, basically, but French. <laughs> It's a bit of a joke about uh, the French government wanting to make a sovereign operating system, but go ahead and read the readme. It's really fun. Apart from that, I would go for 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 something like that uh, changed my way of using IRB from a typo. Uh, it's you can just write you can just type ls on your IRB console, and you'll see. Uh, <laughs> Let's, you'll see informations like LS and Bash, but for Ruby, so nice. So yeah, there is no link related. Just type LS in, in IRB and you'll see. And that's it, I think. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming. This was a lot of fun. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> that was quite nice. A lot of stories, a lot of things. All right. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up right here. And until next time, folks, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.